the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. This is your hour when Orlando Magic Senior Vice President Pat Williams sits down and speaks with authors who have written books on topics of interest and insight for listeners like you. And now, here's your host, Pat Williams. Welcome. We always look forward to the Saturday evening power hour. It's WTLN AM 950 in Orlando, Florida, and uh, it's always a treat to have you join us. Uh, Jeff Sennis engineers our show this evening, and we're glad that he is here with us. Andrew Herdliska is the producer, and my guest in the first half hour is Sam Nadler, president of Word of Messiah Ministries, author of Feasts of the Bible. He's with us from Charlotte, North Carolina. Sam, thanks for joining me, and I hope things are well in your world. Doing great. Shalom, Pat, and shalom, everyone. Sam, you grew up in an Orthodox home. You celebrated the feasts. So at what point did you start to wonder about Jesus? Well, actually, that uh, came as an adult, as a young person. I was only about 11 years old, 12 maybe. I had real questions about whether there's a God or not because of the Holocaust. Uh, And... uh, so after my bar mitzvah, which is like confirmation ceremony for a boy of 13, after my bar mitzvah, I was given the uh, opportunity to decide how religious I wanted to be, and I decided not at all. I just couldn't make sense of how there could be a God in light of such issues, uh, horrible issues like that. And so uh, I went uh, from being religious to being quite rebellious. Uh, and then in my 20s, after coming back from serving in Vietnam, uh, I was witness to, out on the left coast, that's not the left coast of Florida, out in California, uh, by some born-again people uh, who uh, told me I needed Jesus. I thought that was, uh, first of all, I didn't want to laugh or cry, Pat, simply because, in my mind, the Nazis were Christians. Mm. Uh, and I thought what they were doing by asking me to believe in Jesus was to go over to the side of the enemy. And so I said every nasty thing I could to this person. Uh, I thought I got the best end of the deal, uh, that argument at least, and I didn't realize that by the grace of God, a, a gospel seed was planted in my soul. About a year later, to make a long story short, uh, about a year later, I, re- I came to faith, and the Lord sent that person a note saying, thank you for letting me laugh at you, because now I love him too. And so I want to encourage uh, our listeners out there to uh, plant seeds, uh, share the good news, uh, share a word in season, and pray for those around you. Uh, God uh, has a way of being able to save, uh, the least likely, uh, but uh, His grace is sufficient. And though I didn't look like a candidate for salvation, mm. uh, Lord, Lord's grace was sufficient for me. Sam, what's the meaning and significance of Hanukkah? Well, Hanukkah, which... Uh, came about, as you know, uh, very early December this past year, uh, it's, uh, it's a holiday that rep- recognizes the sovereign grace of God in keeping the Jewish people. It turns out that uh, what was prophesied in Daniel regarding uh, the little horn and all, uh, chapter 8, etc., uh, we see that coming out historically uh, between the covenants, between the last writing prophet, uh, Malachi, and then before Matthew, uh, Matthew's gospel. So in that period of time, historical event took place. Uh, the, the Alexander the Great uh, conquered the world and thought everyone should speak Greek. Uh, his, his empire broke into three parts. The Syrian empire uh, was all Greek-speaking, Hellenistic, and they tried to get the Jews... Uh, to give up on God and the Bible, uh, and uh, brought persecution, destroyed the temple, desecrating it, the, the desolation of uh, abomina- abomination of desolations that took place there, with the desecration of the temple and the altar. Uh, and so uh, the Lord had this desecrated temple, uh, and you, uh, as we know, uh, a, a, a desecrated temple is not used for a worship center, had to be cleansed and rededicated. 
And so God uh, raised up a bunch of Bible believers called the Maccabees, and they had one intention, that is to get uh, the Syrians out of the area in order to uh, rededicate the temple. And Hanukkah means dedication. And so we remember uh, the issue of God preserving the Jewish people, keeping them uh, alive and well, and as the people of God as such, and with a dedicated temple. The Lord Jesus, our Messiah, he actually thought of that as representative of his ministry. That's why in John chapter 10, verse 22, uh, it was at the Feast of Dedication, or Hanukkah, he was at Jerusalem, and gave his Hanukkah sermon, the, declaring that he is the greater Maccabee. Uh, indeed, he and the Father are one. And so this is a New Testament feast, even though uh, many Christians may not know what it's about. It was something the New Testament declared as identifying of Messiah, because we are the true temple. And the Lord, in uh, cleansing the temple there in Jerusalem with the Maccabees, was anticipating the very work of the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world, uh, the very work he would do in cleansing us, so that we might be able to be a worship center for God. Do you not know that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit? So that's a little bit about Hanukkah. Our books, materials, and the DVD, uh, the, our books and materials go into it quite a bit. If they want more information, they can go to wordofmessiah.org, our website, and get a lot of free downloads and a lot of the stuff to learn more about Hanukkah and other festivals. Dr. Sam Nadler is our guest from Charlotte, president of Word of Messiah Ministries. Uh, talk to us, Sam, about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and sure. uh, I want you to describe uh, the oh, yeah. significance well, of this solemn time. This, this is considered in Judaism uh, to be one of the two holiest days of the year. It's probably the holiest day of the two, uh, the other being Rosh Hashanah or New Year's. Uh, Yom Kippur uh, <laughs> in the fall. Ten days after Jewish New Year's, uh, was actually in the seventh month biblically. When uh, my people came out of Babylonian captivity, they had adopted the Babylonian calendar, uh, which has uh, the first month of the year when the Bible has the seventh month of the year. And so it's called New Year's, and ten days later, Day of Atonement. Uh, in the Bible, New Year's is actually the Feast of Trumpets. Paul says that's a time when the last trump will finally be heard, and we will be gathered together with the Lord. Uh, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, uh, on the other hand, coming ten days later, uh, was a time for Israel's regathering. When we look in the Scriptures we see that it was a yearly uh, uh, observance where Israel was, through the atonements made, uh, was restored as a servant nation to God. Now this is anticipating, uh, prophetically, the time when all Israel will be saved, as Paul said. Uh, when Zechariah said in Zechariah 12.10, They shall look unto me whom they have pierced, and mourn for him as one mourns for an only son. Uh, and then, of course, Zechariah 13.1 says, The fountains... That fountain filled with blood, as many Christians sing, uh, that fountain for cleansing will be opened, and so Jew and Gentile will then rejoice together. But in any case, uh, in Judaism, it is seen as the holiest day of the year, uh, and uh, it's a fast day, a time of personal affliction of soul. Uh, but we must remember that the true atonement is in the Messiah, and though repentance is absolutely wonderful for us, it is his atonement that is the cleansing element necessary for our lives. Uh, this is something that the New Testament believers may be uh, sort of interesting for our listeners to understand uh, the importance of the Day of Atonement to the, uh, the Apostles and the New Testament readership. Let me explain. In Hebrews chapter 9, because the Day of Atonement was a yearly uh, observance uh, for cleansing, therefore became the backdrop, not only once a year, but once and for all sacrifice of Messiah. And so it became the backdrop of the atonement that Messiah would bring, the true atonement for our souls. 
and it was so commonly observed by the New Testament believers. The first century believers observed the Day of Atonement. Uh, the church calendar was organized according to the festivals of Israel in Leviticus 23. And we know that because we can see how the apostles, when communicating to the churches, uh, various congregations, they used the festivals as date markers. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 16.8, I'll, I'll be in Ephesus until Pentecost. Many of us would say, well, just what day would that be, Paul? Well, back then, they knew exactly when Pentecost or Shavuot, Feast of Weeks, came, because that was part of the church calendar. And also with the Day of Atonement. Luke, in writing and recording uh, the shipwreck of Paul in Acts 27, he says in Acts 27, verse 9, to, uh, to let us know uh, the time of year when, the ba- when it was bad weather, uh, he was saying there, for the time of the fast had already gone by. Sam Nadler is our guest. We've got more with Sam right after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. The hope you have. Whatever attack you might be suffering, whether it is temptation of sin or whether it is attack upon your emotions, when you plead the value of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, Satan's going to run away from you. The life you live. You are almost aborted, as I understand. Well, I praise God that God in his sovereignty uh, revealed his divine intention for me. But my mom kind of forced a thought on me uh, as she was on her deathbed. And she said she woke up in the middle of the night and decided by faith, something told her by faith, keep this baby. That's why as a former fetus, I oppose abortion. The God you worship, the word you need. All of us have to assume responsibility for our actions, for our deeds, for our words, because we're going to influence someone. 24-7, the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. It's not your fault. Not the hot flashes or moodiness. Not the excessive sweating or weight gain. None of it. Hi, I'm Beth. And if you're like most women, you can feel miserable and misunderstood with your menopausal symptoms. Or you can try Avlomil. Avlomil is formulated by women for women seeking an effective all-natural alternative to menopause treatment. Say goodbye to drenching hot flashes, bone-numbing chills, and sleepless nights. And Avlomil is convenient like a vitamin. I just take one in the morning and I'm good for the day. Look, society says menopause is something we're supposed to endure. Not anymore. Now that there's Avlomil, stop living with hot flashes. Avlomil is guaranteed to work or your money back. And if you act now, you can get a free one-month supply. Go to lastflashnow.com for details. Stop suffering in silence. It's not your fault. Go to lastflashnow.com. 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 These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. Avlomil is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. See site for money-back guarantee details. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Sam Nadler is the president of Word of Messiah Ministries, uh, based in Charlotte, North Carolina. He is our guest. We're talking about Feasts of the Bible. Sam, you call Pentecost a come-as-you-are experience. Uh, what does this mean? Sure. Uh, the, the festivals of Israel, the feasts of the Bible uh, that are found in uh, Leviticus chapter 23, are God's outline of his redemptive program. And so the festivals were meant to be witnesses uh, of God's redemptive work fulfilled in the Messiah as the Passover Lamb of God, etc. Fifty days after Passover uh, and uh, the first fruits of Passover comes a second first fruits. Uh, the Passover first fruits was from the barley harvest in the early spring. Uh, the first fruits there is why, uh, when Jesus, the Messiah, was resurrected from the dead. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15:20, "Christ, our first fruits from the dead." 
And so 50 days later, uh, not only is the Lord uh, resurrected from the dead, but as the head of the body, 50 days later, the body comes to life. And so by the work of the Holy Spirit, we see uh, that the Lord made the believers in, in Yeshua and Jesus uh, the body of Messiah. Now, when we think about what uh, Pentecost is all about, we see that uh, it is made up of an unusual offering. It's a, a one-time-only offering seen in, in this portion. It's called a new grain offering. It's something new. Well, that was the work of God in regards to the body of Messiah. And so we come to him as we are. But that new grain offering uh, has leaven within it. Now, you say, what's unusual about that? Well, at Passover, 50 days before, we did not eat any leaven products, because leaven is a picture of sin. And so uh, the Lord Jesus, who is our Passover lamb, who is the bread of life, is therefore sin-free. We therefore recognize that he is without sin. Uh, the matzah, the unleavened bread, represents him. But 50 days later, we have this pass. We have this Pentecost, which means 50 days. This Pentecost offering, Leviticus chapter 23, 15 to 17. This unusual offering, which must contain leaven. Why would that be? Because even as Passover represented the Lord Jesus in his death, burial, and resurrection. So also Pentecost represents the body of Messiah, the result of his death, burial, and resurrection. For as the first Pentecost, when the law was given on Mount Sinai, uh, we see that the fulfillment of it, according to Acts chapter 2, came when the Spirit was given. And so we find uh, the Spirit of God being poured out in Acts chapter 2, uh, bringing our attention to the Lord Jesus, focusing our attention on Him. And that leaven in that loaf, that unusual offering of Pentecost, pictures us. In other words, we come to Him just as we are, with the leaven, with the warts, with the sin. We come to Him with our sins. He accepts us as is. In His atonement, we are accepted in the Beloved and cleansed. But we must come to Him just as we are. It's really a come-as-you-are party. If you're old enough to remember, back in the 50s, that was popular. They would call you up, regardless of whatever condition you were dressed in and attired. Uh, they say, you have to come just the way you are. And so, bathrobe or whatever, you have to come just as you are. Well, that's the gospel message. God is calling out to all people to come to the Lord Jesus. Come as you are. Come unto me, you who are, who are uh, heavy laden and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And so we come to him as we are. Pentecost reminds us of that matter. Every year we reorient ourselves around who he is, uh, the sacrifice, the foundation for our lives, and the body of Messiah. Sam, I want you to talk about a, um, I guess it's a ticklish subject, and that is Jewish people coming to Christ. It, uh, it's a major decision, isn't it? A major rocking to a family. Would you get into that for us and just explain sure. what's involved? Well, in my own case, as I mentioned earlier, uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding about the good news among Jewish people uh, because of history. Uh, over the last 19 centuries, uh, so-called believers have used the gospel in the name of Jesus as some uh, f uh, validation or some <laughs> way of, uh, of justifying some immorality and anti-Semitic Semitic behavior. And so, therefore, the Jewish people, uh, seeing what history has done in the name of Jesus to us, therefore think that that's what the gospel message is. And so, when a Jewish person considers the Messiah, considers Jesus as the Messiah, they therefore uh, are, are making a decision that will be misunderstood by family, friends, and the greater Jewish community. They'll think that he's gone over to the side of the enemy. Uh, but in fact, Jesus is our Messiah, and the enemy of our faith and the enemy of God, who's been trying to stop the gospel work, uh, 
Satan, the devil, he is trying to uh, make sure that Jewish people do not believe by, by making uh, the gospel message to seem abhorrent to any self-respecting Jew. And so when the Jewish person uh, is given uh, the biblical proof that, you, that you're sure that Jesus is truly our Messiah, you're right, he has a decision to make because he will be misunderstood by his family and friends. We take uh, our ministry, Word of Messiah Ministries, we plant congregations all over the world. We're seeing Jewish people come to faith in various places, just returned from Israel. Isn't it great that Israelis not only hearing the good news, but also coming to faith? Uh, but in doing so, we also disciple them so they can communicate back to their families and communities the truth that Jesus truly is the Messiah of Israel. Therefore, they are still Jews. As Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus. Uh, and he therefore says in Romans chapter 11, I am an Israelite. Not that I was, but I am. Because Jesus is God's faithfulness to our people. But this is something that needs to be taught. Jewish people who first consider the message, uh, you're absolutely right, Pat. They have a lot to, to weigh in on because they may be thought of as ex-Jews or some other false non-biblical idea. And that's why discipleship is so important when people come to faith in the Messiah. Do you believe, uh, Sam, that Christ's followers should celebrate the feast today or just have a better understanding of them? Well, both would be good. Uh, if you don't have a better understanding of them, it would make no sense to think about celebrating them. But when we look at the New Testament, uh, we take our, our behavioral model, uh, certainly the Lord Jesus and what he did, we, we follow him. Uh, the apostles detail out what that means in the epistles. Uh, we see the modeling of their faith in the book of Acts. And so, therefore, we see that they kept the festivals. The apostles of the Lord Jesus uh, kept the festivals of Israel. Uh, that's what we see in Acts chapter 20, verse 6. Paul observed the uh, Passover. Uh, he observed it unto Messiah, not according to the law of Moses. I say that because he observed it in Europe. He didn't go back to Jerusalem, which is what the Torah, the law of Moses, required, Deuteronomy 16, 16, 17. And so he, he observed it for its fulfillment in the Messiah. You see, for a New Testament believer, if you're a Jewish or Gentile, but a believer in Jesus nonetheless, you want to understand your faith from what the New Testament teaches us and how we are to follow the Messiah. And so the festivals of Israel are actually the foundation of faith for every believer in Jesus, Jewish or Gentile alike. Uh, they all speak of him, they're a witness to him, so we utilize them to honor him, to witness to him. He is the fulfillment of the redemptive program which the festivals outline. And so it becomes a wonderful opportunity for testimony and witness, uh, something that helps Jewish people to understand it and communicates the good news to Jew and Gentile alike. Dr. Sam Nadler is our guest from Charlotte. Sam, talk to us about the Sabbath. Sure. It's, the, it's the beginning point of God's redemption program. Mm -hmm. um, why is it so difficult for most of us in North America to honor the Sabbath as God commanded? Well, I'm not sure it's too more difficult here or anywhere else. I think it's just human nature that makes following God difficult. We resist at various points. And some of our traditions reinforce our resistance. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to the issue of the Sabbath or the Shabbat, uh, this is something that was pre-law. Uh, we see that it was instituted uh, on the seventh day uh, when God completed creation. It was instituted so God could fellowship with his uh, with humanity, who created in his image. Uh, he wanted to walk with them in the garden, uh, as, as we read in the early scriptures of the Bible. Uh, later on, of course, it became uh, part of uh, the law of Moses, which confuses many people. Uh, they think, well, I'm putting myself under the law if I observe a Sabbath on the seventh day. Uh, and therefore they think that, uh, no, it's been changed to the first day for New Testament believers. But uh, for those who, even a casual reading of the New Testament, you see that there's no commandment to, to worship on the first day. Uh, we see that the Sabbath was ordinarily observed by the believers in the New Testament. Uh, and so some of these matters are things of tradition, that certain church traditions 
developed after the apostles left the scene. Uh, not, they didn't want to identify with Jews. There was a lot of anti-Jewish posturing that was going on uh, starting in the second century and, and certainly uh, becoming legislated later on. Uh, but in any case, uh, there was a lot of anti-Jewish posturing, which therefore uh, the many believers divorced themselves uh, from what they thought of as Jewish things, when it's really Bible stuff. Uh, the Sabbath uh, is basically the day uh, that God had had ordained as a day uh, of rest, where Shabbat means rest, uh, a day uh, that became a day of worship. Uh, when the writers of the New Testament, uh, they assumed all this, uh, they didn't feel the need, I think, to reiterate many of these matters, but we see uh, all of this being spoken of or about in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Uh, we're familiar, I think, with the portion. It says why we should uh, you know, go to services regularly. It says we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as is the habit or custom of some, but rather encouraging one another as we see the day approaching. So uh, that word that the writer of Hebrews uses, the habit or custom of some, is a word that is used significantly uh, to identify what he's talking about. For we read in Luke chapter 4, uh, verse 16, it says that the Lord Jesus, uh, the Messiah, uh, that he went to synagogue on the Shabbat, on the Sabbath, as was his habit or custom. And so he went to, he was, he was observing uh, Shabbat with other believers. It's sort of hard to imagine. I can't imagine sitting next to him and singing praises to God, to him, sitting next to him. It's a little absurd, but, but still that was the case. He he went to Shabbat, he went to services every Shabbat, uh, synagogue as it was. And so it's something normative. Uh, when people worship on the first day of the week, uh, I would not judge them harshly for that. I don't do those things. I'm sure God is is pleasantly surprised anytime any of us worship him. Praise be by God. Um, but when we think about the Shabbat, we want to see it in a more biblical, comprehensive fashion. And so the Shabbat is basically the theme of uh, God's redemption, to rest with him. That's why it comes at the very head of the list of festivals uh, in Leviticus 23. It is the theme of the redemptive program. All of those festivals were Sabbath, uh, in that they faceted different aspects of our rest in the Lord. Uh, and uh, eternity is understood as an eternal Shabbat, eternal Sabbath. Uh, and we want to see, therefore, that what it is all about uh, is the Lord of the Sabbath. Uh, when Jesus said that he is the Lord of the Sabbath, that tells us why the Sabbath has a value for all followers of Jesus. It pictures, it points to, it focuses our attention upon him. So keeping one day or another doesn't gain you a righteousness with God, not at all. All our righteousness is in the Lord Jesus. And therefore, the Sabbath is has a validity only because we worship the Lord of the Sabbath on that day. But, my dear friends, he is the Lord of every day as well. So we, uh, we worship him all, you know, 24-7. But the Sabbath is a testimony, a witness to his lordship. Sam, tell us in closing again how people can reach you. Oh, great. Uh, first of all, go to our website, www.wordofmessiah.org, wordofmessiah.org. We have a lot of free downloads, a lot of helps for you in your witness, a lot of ways you can be praying as we're reaching out, planting congregations, getting our staff, our speakers to speak in your churches, to give you insight uh, on, on the festivals and also God's calling upon us all regarding the gospel. Uh, and also we have a lot going on. You can uh, call our office during regular East Coast business hours. Uh, call 704-544-1948. We've got more after this on the Pat Williams Saturday Evening Power Hour. It's WTLN AM 950 Orlando. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. This is Dennis McKenzie for Families by Design. Strong families are designed by God. Do you want your family designed by God? For inspirational principles for today's families, listen to Families by Design with your hosts, Dr. Daniel Forbes and Dr. John Brooks. Families by Designs airs every Sunday at 9 p.m. That's Families by Design on the new 950 WTLN. 
Hi, this is Pastor Johnny with The Vision, bringing you a message of love and grace on the new 950 WTLN. Sunday mornings at 1045 a.m. Or if you can't catch the broadcast at that time, you can get us at WTLN.com 24-7, where you can download the podcast anytime and enjoy that message. That's The Vision on the new 950 WTLN. If you're a homeowner who's faithfully made your mortgage payments, you deserve thanks for doing the right thing. And I'd like to tell you about a powerful financial tool that rewards your commitment. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, president of Quicken Loans. And the tool that I'm talking about is the Home Affordable Refinance Program, or HARP. HARP is designed to help you lower your mortgage payments. It's for homeowners who are current on their mortgage payments, but due to the housing market may have little or no equity left in their home. And even if you were unable to get a HARP loan in the past, new guidelines mean that now you may be eligible. More than 2.5 million homeowners have already taken advantage of HARP and are saving an average of $250 a month. If you're one of the millions yet to take advantage, call us today at 800-QUICKEN. To learn more, call Quicken Loans today at 800-QUICKEN or go to quickenloans.com. That number again is 800-QUICKEN. Important terms and conditions apply. Call us for cost information. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Sam Nadler, our guest in that first half hour from Charlotte, a Miracle Read is with us, and her book is called When God Vetoes Your Plan, An Invitation to a Life Without Limits. Miracle, wonderful yes. of you to join me. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thanks for having me. I love your name. Tell me about your name. Oh, sure. When I was born, I was 1.6 pounds at birth, mm. and I was three months premature. And the doctors told my mother that the survival of my life was very none. Um, they actually thought I was born stillborn and realized shortly after that I was not. They said to my mom, if she makes it through the night, she'll be three years behind and she won't be able to comprehend or to breathe properly or to do things in her age category because she hasn't had enough time to develop. If she makes it through the night, those are the things that will follow her life, but pretty much prepare for the worst um, because that's if she makes it. And so I made it through the night, and the doctor said, the only name that's going to be suitable for her pretty much is is Miracle. And so that's pretty much the dynamic of of what happened, and it's pretty much been a reoccurring thing in my life of God just really revealing the miraculous and impossibilities becoming possibilities through Him. Miracle Reed holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Human Services and Bachelor of Arts in Biblical Studies from Geneva College. Uh, Her new book is out. It's called When God Vetoes Your Plan, An Invitation to a Life Without Limits. What's your book about? My book is about what it looks like to allow yourself to be open to the fact that God's plan is much bigger and much more fulfilling and also greater than what we could make happen for ourselves. It challenges the reader to look at a life outside of the box and outside of what we can make happen for ourselves, realizing that even on our greatest day, we're limited uh, to, to many different degrees. And in allowing God to prove himself to be who he is requires us to let go of ourselves and of our plans and, and oftentimes to let go of some walls that we've been built up. Miracle Reed is the associate pastor of Timbers Community Church in British Columbia, Canada. That's where she resides. And uh, we are talking about our new book. Let's plow in. Are you ready? I am. Chapter yes. one, you say, just say yes. Fill us in on yes. that. Yes. You know, I believe that in life, a lot of times people feel like they have to prove themselves to God. But the amazing thing about God is that all he requires is a selfless yes. I talk about throughout the book this concept of realizing that God desires for our total and surrender and submission to him. And it doesn't matter, you know, what background we come from. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, what educational accomplishments we've had. It's really about allowing your yes to be the defining factor in what you allow God to do through you and how you allow your life to be led by God and to allow your yes to be that which uh, reminds you constantly 
that he knows what he's doing, even when it looks like he doesn't, and that he's in full control of the plan uh, that he has for our life. And that plan, once again, is much more greater and much more fulfilling than what we could do for ourselves. The second topic you write about, no more snacks. Yes. Yes. No more snacks. It it was a very fun chapter. Uh, Throughout life, I believe that a lot of times people find their identity in relationships. And in No More Snacks, uh, it really challenges the reader in a very unique way. I I personally have a sweet tooth. I I tell people I think all of the teeth in my mouth are pretty much sweet because I I have a a dessert thing going on. And in this chapter, I use the illustration of how when I moved to Canada, there was a uh, bakery right down the street from my office, and I found myself going to this bakery uh, quite frequently, more so than, than necessary or, or what's needed for any one person. And I found myself indulging uh, in dessert in, in a very unhealthy way that would actually curb my appetite for, for the main meal of my day. I would find myself not really being hungry as a result of all the cupcakes. I talk about the, the astronomical amount of, of cupcakes I would consume, which sometimes comes as a shock to people because I'm quite petite, but I can, you know, pretty much throw down when it comes to food and dessert. And in this chapter, I challenged the reader to realize that just in the context in which I had allowed myself to indulge uh, in dessert, curbing my appetite for uh, things that are really necessary for my life in the context of food, that in the same way it parallels with relationship that oftentimes we'll know from the beginning that this is not the person uh, that is for us, that they don't have life partner potential. But because there's a craving in our life, we find ourselves artificially, artificially feeling a void in our life by allowing ourselves to snack on unhealthy relationships, on people in our life that are taking up time or taking up uh, emotional space, taking up levels of commitment that has been reserved, that God desires to be reserved for the person that he's created for us in the long run. And so it challenges the readers to realize that uh, we're worth more uh, than temporary fulfillment, temporary uh, satisfaction, and that you're being challenged um, to wait on God and to believe that he ultimately has what's best for us. Miracle Reed is with us from uh, British Columbia in Canada. We're talking about her book, When God Vetoes Your Plan, What You Feed Will Grow... What you starve will die, you write, Miracle. Um, What does that mean? Yes, it means that ultimately we find ourselves um, experiencing certain things in life and often responding to certain things in life based on what we have fed ourselves, meaning what we've allowed ourselves to accept, what we've allowed people to say to us, how we've allowed people to treat us, and ultimately what we've allowed ourselves to believe as a result of what we've been uh, what, what we've been told or the experiences that we had in life. And so it challenges the reader to realize that there are certain things in our life that we have to be willing to say no more to. There has to be things that we're willing to say, this can no longer take root in my life because I now see the negative results of what it looked like to allow myself to continually look at things that won't help growth. And so it really dives into the principles of allowing yourself to move beyond what you've experienced and allow your response to lead you throughout your life and not to allow your experiences to have negative tolls on your life, but to really walk in a place of empowerment no matter what you've gone through and no matter what you've experienced. Then I want you to talk about the privileged life. That's the next topic that you write about. Yes, the privileged life is a chapter that really, I believe, excites the reader and empowers the reader to realize that the life that God is destined for you is so much more than mediocrity. I read the scripture, and I see that God states in his word, according to John 10, 10, that he's come that we might have life, and and not just any kind of life, but it says that we might have life in an abundant life, a life that brings fulfillment and joy and a level of contentment, and this chapter really dives into us uh, as believers, a person who's looking for truth and hoping uh, that there's more out there that indeed you can be encouraged that there is, and that's a place of finding complete contentment and joy in who you are, not necessarily what you've accomplished and what you have, because those things uh, in this life can be temporary and can easily be taken away, but who you are can't, and the consistency of who God is cannot as well. Then I want you to talk about ORCID. What does that mean? Yes, ORCID. 
orchid, it's actually my favorite plant or flower. I'm not sure some people classify uh, orchids as flowers and some classify them as plants. However, I love them and I think that there's an elegance to them. And in my personal life, there have been some encounters where God has literally placed, placed an orchid in a random place, in a restaurant, in someone's home, uh, in very odd places. And for me, it had been a reminder uh, of God telling me that you're exactly where I want you to be. And when I moved here to Canada, I, I did not have a vehicle, and I felt very strongly about not uh, in many ways entering into debt by having a, a vehicle that I was not able to financially afford. And people here uh, said to me, well, Miracle, we have connections, and we can make sure you get you know, a brand-new car. You can get this, you can get that, and we can make sure that you won't have a, a high payment at all. It won't be any strain to you, and, and we can make this work. And I was determined. Uh, that I did not want a car payment. And in actuality, people were looking at me like, well, I don't know what she thinks she's going to buy without a car payment. I'm not sure, you know, what her, her past uh, job or, or salary's been, but I'm not sure what she's paying for in cash. And But I was determined that, that I didn't want to come into a new place uh, very far away from home uh, without first being established in certain ways before having payments on things. And so I continue to trust God. I, I live literally eight blocks away or so from where I work, so I moved in the summer, and I was able to walk here. However, I was teaching a course, and a couple came up to me, and they said, Miracle, do you need a vehicle? And I look in shock. Well, we have an extra vehicle. You can use it whenever you want to. And I said, are you sure? Are you, like, are you serious? I had just met them. I had just moved there. You know, they didn't know me. I didn't know them. And within an hour, the, the husband of the, the, the couple came to me or called me, and they said, uh, we've been praying. I, I just feel like my wife and I, we just feel like God wants us to just give you the car. I was in complete shock. And so here I end up <laughs> driving a free car. And one of my favorite cars outside of Audi is a Volkswagen. And, and God was the only one that knew that. And it was orchestrated in a way that God reminded me that if you trust him, um, I'll do things that you can't imagine. And so the name of my car is Orchid. And it's a chapter about trusting God beyond what it looks like and beyond what you have and knowing that you know, your Father, who, who is God, our Heavenly Father, there is no lack in His kingdom, and so all that we need is really found in Him. And so that's a chapter about the provision of God. Tell me about resume number 29. Yes, um, this chapter, I believe it plays a major role in faith, what it means to believe God beyond what it looks like. I was in uh, the school that I graduated called uh, Geneva, which is a private liberal arts school in western Pennsylvania, and I had been preaching at that point probably for about uh, seven, eight years consistently at that point traveling the U.S. And I felt like the not to just travel around and to speak, but to go into full-time ministry in a specific church, but I didn't know where. And so I felt the Lord lead me to put together a packet. And so I had my resume all over the world to various churches that were looking for uh, women preachers who were looking for inspirational leaders, who were looking for people that had the ability to um, transfer culture and to be able to um, just do great things and innovative things. And so I had the resume all over. Uh, I mean, as far as France, I, I was willing to go wherever the Lord would open doors and felt like there were no limits. And so in that, uh, I had 28 resumes out, and every resume I had put out had responded back with, uh, either we prefer you to be married, uh, we don't have women for that specific position, and so on and so forth. But I remember that God said, do it. Continue to put these resumes out. And so resume number 29 was an island called St. Croix, Virgin Islands. And within an, uh, within like a 24-hour period, the senior pastor emails me and said, I looked over your resume. I'm pretty blown away, and I'm interested in speaking with you. Long story short, 10 days after I graduated, with those two bachelor's degrees from Geneva, I was living in St. Croix, Virgin Islands, uh, working at a ministry there as a youth pastor and doing uh, community development in certain things in the area to really bring forth the kingdom of God in the community. And it was a result of trusting God beyond the 28 no's. So this chapter talks about not becoming discouraged with your no, because right around the corner there is a yes for you. And then you write about plans change, Miracle. Yes. Plans change just allows us to realize that change can either be our, our worst enemy or we can adapt to change, allowing it to be one of our greatest friends. And it talks about how there is only consistency found in God. 
as much as we'd love to hope and to pray and to think that we can be consistent 24-7, we can't because we are imperfect and we live in an imperfect world. But this chapter encourages us to welcome change and to realize that change is something that helps us in our development. It's something that helps us in our faith, and it helps us move forward because we're able to measure and to evaluate areas of weakness as well as areas of strength based on how well we adapt to change and how well we are able to still function properly and with a certain level of excellence, even when there's places of discomfort and territory that may be a bit unfamiliar with us. Give me a minute in closing on the give up and the gain. The give up and gain is about realizing that in life there will be things that you have to give up, but it does not compare to the things that you will gain in this life. There are sacrifices that all of us will have to make, and there are sacrifices that will be needed. However, the principle of the matter is that in this life, it's not about everything you had to give up. It's about what you've accomplished, how you felt fulfilled, how you've been able to continue to move forward because of what you've gained as a result of you giving up certain things. In the midst of void, I believe that it presents opportunity for God to present more. And until we allow ourselves to become empty, we can't allow ourselves to be filled with more that we may be a help and a benefit to other people. So it encourages you and it allows you to know and it reassures you that you have to give up some things. But as a result of that, there is a gain that is much greater than what you had to let go of. We've got more with Miracle Read on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. It's WTLN, AM 950 in Orlando. Stay with us. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Look, the worst part about business travel is worrying about my wife and kids at home alone. My family's safety is my responsibility. That's why I started researching home security. I called the big alarm companies, checked online, even looked at doing it myself. But the best technology for the best price came from Vivint. They even won the Consumer's Digest Best Buy Award. Yes, Vivint gives me a complete security system, but it does even more. Vivint's video technology is unreal. I can see what's going on in my home right from my smartphone, tablet, or computer. I can even lock the doors remotely if my kids forget. Best yet, I got Vivint's no equipment costs and free install deal. $1,300 worth of camera and security equipment at no charge. Vivint was the easy choice for my family's safety. Take control of your family's safety with Vivint. Order now for up to $1,300 in security equipment at no charge. Just pay as little as $99 for activation. Plus, call now and installation is free. Call 1-800-236-7081. That's 1-800-236-7081. 1-800-236-7081. I will never forget the day my son Jeremy told me he hated me and slammed the door in my face. I'm behavioral therapist Janet Lehman. Behavior problems can turn the child you love and your life into a nightmare. That's why my husband James and I created the Total Transformation, the step-by-step program that shows you how to fix the worst behavior problems and get your child to respect and listen to you again. No matter what the behavior, defiance, backtalk, angry outbursts, disrespect, we can help you stop it. Now you can get the Total Transformation for free. All you need to do is get the program and let us know how it works for you. You can keep it forever for free. Limited number of free programs available. Call now, 1-800-801-9691. 1-800-801-9691. That's 1-800-801-9691. 1-800-801-9691. Hi, I'm Barbara Sandbeck, your host on Grace Notes, a 15-minute program that contains biblical teaching and a wide variety of music. Some of the subjects we address are why do we have trials and cultivating intimacy with God. You can listen right here on WTLN every Sunday at 2.45 p.m. Can't catch the whole broadcast? Visit our podcast on the web 24-7 on WTLN.com. So tune in. You won't want to miss it. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Miracle Reed is with us from uh, British Columbia in Canada, where she's the associate pastor of Timbers Community Church. We're talking about her new book, When God Vetoes Your Plan. And the next topic, Miracle, is called Bounce Back. Yes. And Bounce allows us to see that one of the greatest gifts in this life we have is is resiliency 
throughout the the chapters, you see a reflection of my personal story of being able to live a life of inspiration through my parents' drug addiction and through turmoil and being able to press forward and to not consider my weaknesses something that can hold me back, but my weaknesses that can move me forward and allow them to be tools in life that inspire other people that you can rise above what you've experienced. And Balance the Back is all about that. It's about realizing that life isn't about the things that knock you down, but it's about how you were able to get up despite it all. And then I want you to talk about Go With the Flow. Yes, Go With the Flow is realizing that the Scripture teaches us, you know, throughout the Bible, we see a reflection of life um, being created to be something that is not limited and it's not boxed in and, and God doesn't work one particular way and he's not limited to one particular church and one particular style. And life in many ways is that way too. This uh, chapter is really about, as the Bible says, living life like a loose garment, realizing that there are things in life that were meant for you and everything that was meant for you will be yours. And those things that were not meant for you, ultimately, they will be things that you will not have. And so it's realizing that all things will work, not just for your benefit, but it will also work for your growth and for principles in your life that can take you to a new place and to a different place that you've never imagined. Oh, Canada. Yes. Fill us in. It is about my journey here in Canada. The series of events that brought me here to Canada were nothing short of a uh, God-ordained plan and God-ordained uh, encounters. It talks about not only my journey here, but the reasons behind why I feel that God continually opens doors for me that are outside of the U.S. And in this particular scenario, my being here in Canada was through one connection that I had and not knowing why I was meeting this person and how months later it was because they were going to be a link to the next assignment that was determined for my life. And so it challenges the reader that you just don't know why you're being connected with people, but how we should never discount opportunities because there are no limits to how your encounters with people can open doors for you and can present new opportunity. And so Canada has been that for me. And as a result of being here, I've been able to do things in many ways and in different areas that I've never met, and so it's about my journey currently here in Canada. Tell me about the lie of limit in the midst of abundance. The lie of limit in the midst of abundance actually stems from a message that I had given some years ago, and this message had to have been one of the most challenging messages ever because it speaks on the lies that we have in many ways embedded in our mind to believe, rather that we will never have or we will never do or there are certain things that we're limited in and many times we don't recognize how we are allowing ourselves to be hindered uh, by those lies and so it stems from uh, just the lie that the first lie that we see in the new in the old testament pardon me of uh, the enemy asking eve are you sure are you sure that if you eat of this fruit that you'll surely die and he poses a question uh, causing doubt to enter into her heart and how life is not so much about the things that we feel are true, but it's about the things that we know aren't true that we choose to believe. And so this chapter really digs hard into realizing that God is not trying to take things from you. He's not trying to have you in lack. He, in fact, desires to give you abundance. And then I want you to talk about walks in the park. Walks in the park is about self-contentment. In traveling around a lot, relationships have been a very interesting dynamic of my life, whether it be friendship relationships or relationships in terms of, of men-woman relationship for, for marriage and things of that nature and moving around. And this chapter talks about my personal journey of reaching a place of self-contentment and what that looks like in being completely okay with you and realizing that there are seasons in your life where you have to walk alone and there is no way around that. But being able to find a joy in that, being able to welcome every season you find yourself in and to not be discouraged, but to be encouraged by where you find yourself in concerning maybe possibly a life of singleness or a life of just not necessarily being where you want to, being able to come in a place of seclusion uh, with yourself and with God, determining the identifying factors of your life. And then I want you to get into Sink or Swim, Miracle. Sink or Swim is another chapter that shares a bit more of my story. And it allows the reader to realize that 
in life, you could either drown in what you've been through or you could allow all of the negative experiences and all of the things that you've been challenged with as floating devices that, that keep you above water, reminding you that you're human, reminding you that you're imperfect, and reminding you that there is potential for you and your story to make impact in the lives of others. I believe that we all have a story to tell and we all have points of empowerment and this chapter is about allowing your weaknesses and your story to empower you and not to drown you and not to keep you in a place of depression. The next topic, pack light, you tell us. Yes, carry only what you need. You know, I believe that um, we have to be able to realize what we need. I start this chapter off by really encouraging the reader, giving the reader an example of how we all have that person that when they go on short periods of trips, you know, it's a three-day trip and they have four suitcases, and you're wondering, where in the world are you going? You're only gone for three to four days. And so this allows us to see, only take what you need. You know, life is short. Life is unpredictable. And take what you need, live by what you believe, and allow God to do the rest. And now we get to another topic called carry on. Yes, carry on is you have to know when to move on. You, you, there's no way around it. You just have to know when to carry on, when to say, okay, there's nothing else to be seen here. Let's carry on with the rest of the day. Let's carry on with life. Let's not get stuck in that which we know is temporary or that which we know is not for us. And carry on, move along with life and accept things for what they were and believe that there's still more. Fear came knocking. Miracle. Fear came knocking um, was definitely a chapter that challenged me. Last year, I received a call from my grandmother. Her and I are very close. I was raised by her, and I am the only grandchild. And she had veins in her head, and the doctors had given her a report that she had a brain tumor. And I had never imagined my life at that point without her. She's been a huge anchor in my life, and I give credit to the fact that if it had not been for her, and the role that she's had in my life, I don't know what, what my life would look like. And so it talks about the principles of what that fear looked like for me and the reality of the matter that I had to come to was that as important as she is to me and as important as the role that she's had in my life, at the end of the day, who I am is because of God and my identity does not stop when a loved one has received life-threatening news and the reality of what that looks like. Thankfully, God did an amazing, miraculous work that she did not have a brain tumor. However, it was definitely a fear came to my doorstep, and I had to really consider what my response was and had to really take an evaluation of life in a different way that I had not considered. And then I want you to talk about the journey. The journey welcomes people to an invitation of realizing that you can either live in the box of what you've planned or you can realize that you're on a journey and it's never ending. It's ongoing. This chapter dives a bit into my experience while I was living in the Virgin Islands and the opportunities that were presented to me and the ways in which I grew and the ways in which I was challenged for the first time to live away from home and not just home, but from my particular part of the United States uh, that I was from and what culture looked like there is being African-American and that culture being Caribbean and just what the difference was and, and how you learn to adapt to where you are that you might be effective to where you are and who you're reaching. And then you tell us, this is temporary. You got about 20 seconds on this one, then we got to run. All right. This is temporary allows us to see that in life, everything is temporary. But to realize what you really have in life is who you are and who you've become as a result of God. So to welcome the fact that life will change and to realize that in this life, we'll need to move forward in what is coming for us. Miracle Read, her book is called When God Vetoes Your Plan, An Invitation to a Life Without Limits. Miracle, thanks a million. I've loved thanks. talking to you. We've got to wrap up after this on the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour, WTLN AM 950. More of the Pat Williams Power Hour in just a moment on the new 950 WTLN. Everybody is Pete Pekesh, your morning host here at the new 950 WTLN. And I'd like to welcome back a computer program here on the weekends, very familiar to our listeners. It's Tech Talk and more, Saturday afternoons at 4, from Palm Tree Computer Systems and Jinx IT. They are the experts on any problem you might be having, downloads, uploads, software, hardware. You've got questions? These experts have the answers. And you never know when you could win something pretty cool. It's Tech Talk and more, now Saturday afternoons at 4, on the new 950 WTLN and WTLN.com. 
www.ghanimedia.com. You're listening to the Pat Williams Power Hour on the new 950 WTLN. And now, here's Pat. Thank you so much for joining us here this weekend on the Pat Williams Power Hour. In the first half hour, uh, Dr. Sam Nadler with us, president of Word of Messiah Ministries, uh, talking about Feasts of the Bible. And then Miracle Reed joins us from British Columbia and her book called When God Vetoes Your Plans. Uh, I invite you to visit my website. It's patwilliams.com, the Twitter page, Orlando Magic Pat. And my most recent book has just been released. It's called Coach Wooden's Greatest Secret. I think you'll enjoy it. Uh, His greatest secret, by the way, a lot of little things done well. That was Coach Wooden's counsel. A lot of little things done well. I think you'll enjoy that book. In the meantime, have a good day tomorrow in church with your family and a terrific week ahead here in Central Florida. And then we're back next weekend for more of the Pat Williams Weekend Power Hour. WTLN AM 950 in Orlando. Thank you for joining us for this week's edition of the Pat Williams Power Hour. Join us again next week at this same time on the intersection of faith and reason. The new 950 WTLN. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 